Disclaimer. Canned Expression and its host, Rochelle Roy, only condone fully legal street art performed through means operating entirely within the bounds of the law. The intent of this podcast is to teach more about the most interesting aspects of street art and the community to get more people involved in the activity in a legal, safe, and fun way. Street art should be practiced in a way which does not damage any private property and allows for you to express yourself in a non-destructive way. For more information, please check out your locality or municipality's regulations regarding public displays of art. Thank you. Now back to the episode. Now, on this podcast, I've talked a lot about how I've been personally exposed to street art. If you've been following along, I'm pretty sure you know that my first taste of the art form came from the Bay Area, where I'm from, which has a very distinct street art scene. Not necessarily entirely unique. Much like most other street art styles, those who created it learned and borrowed heavily from those who came before them. Moreover, I've spoken a lot about specific Bay Area pieces and street art movements that have attracted, interested, and influenced me. But I really think we should take a moment to zoom out and understand the broader picture of what Bay Area street art really is. However influenced it is from its East Coast predecessors, the Bay's unique approach to the art form, its messages, styles, and the stories it tells are all very unique to right here. Like I said, I've talked a lot about the specifics of Bay Area street art, but let's take a big picture look at exactly what ties the scene together. In this first part, we'll mainly be focusing on a lot of the necessary context you need to understand how Bay Area street art has evolved, if you're unfamiliar with it. The focus on background in this episode will largely be on the relation between the Bay street art and that emerging before it in the East, and how the two developed relative to each other. Welcome back to Canned Expression. My name's Rochelle Roy, and let's talk about the beauty of the Bay, part one. Why the Bay Area street art scene was unloved for so long. You are now listening to Canned Expression. Now, the Bay Area as a whole is way too big to cover in one episode, which is why I split it up into a few parts. Having immersed myself in this area's street art scene, I can tell you the amount of diversity and variance in styles is massive, but there's still a few things that makes a piece of street art uniquely Bay Area. First, let's talk a bit about its history. Unlike the East Coast, which had this big boom in street art in the late 1970s, throughout the 80s, and also early 90s, due to this rise of these impactful art form defining artists, some of which we've covered on the podcast before, such as Andre Pierre Charles and Richard Hamilton, the Bay just didn't have that. The East also developed other larger movements, like the provocation movement, which tied in even smaller, less notable artists to the styles inherent to the region, at that point almost giving a regional identity to the work to come out of areas like New York City. However, the West Coast and the Bay Area weren't exactly on the same footing as their East Coast counterparts. For decades, up until the late 1990s, nearly a full 20 years after the East Coast art had a clearly defined identity, the Bay's street art was still jokingly referred to as the East's quiet, younger, messy brother. It had no real organization to it. It was definitely less developed, and there didn't seem to be any of those unifying themes or styles or messages that allowed any street artist to look at an NYC piece of street art and definitively say, oh yeah, that's definitely from New York. But in the late 1990s, things began to change. Not in the same way as it did on the East Coast, though. 
Those same unifying styles and artistic movements began to emerge, but they were never centered around individuals who were seen as pioneers, as happened with people like Lee Quinones on the East Coast. Like I said, the West Coast was developing just a few years behind the East, and a byproduct of that was that they grew up in the shadow of their big brother. It was hard to get individual name recognition, but counterintuitively, this served as very influential to the Bay's street art scene as a whole. Since it was almost impossible to get recognized for your individual style or what you were doing as one artist, the focus shifted throughout the entire area to more collaborative approaches to street art in a way the East simply wasn't doing at the time. And that led to the formation of the first definitive Bay Area street art style, the Mission District style. Turn into part two, where we'll talk about how this shift from living in the shadows to widespread collaboration birthed one of the U.S.'s most impactful street art movements, and how the Mission District style truly put the Bay on the map. With canned expression, I'm Rochelle Roy, and remember to keep spraying.